You're listening to Thinkative, the podcast for philosophers, seekers and the generally curious. I'm Tim Newton. And I am Matt Parker. And uh, this is the uh, podcast in which we uh, delve into uh, matters philosophical. Uh, uh, But this is a bit of an unusual one because we're uh, making an outside broadcast. Yeah, we're outdoors, the great outdoors. We are fire crackling. Can you hear the fire crackle at all? Yeah. Can you hear it? One sec. Yeah. Come on, crackle. Just when you want it to crackle, nothing. Where's your glass? I've got a glass here. Oh, yeah, we're... Oh, yeah, why not? Oh, yeah. Well, listen, the thing is, right, we are back uh, at the place where the whole idea of Thinkative uh, first emerged, when you and me met round this campfire right. at this very camp yeah. uh, in a secret location in Epping Forest. Uh, uh, and uh, we um, and I said to you, you should do a podcast. We've had some interesting chats, and you said, yeah, let's do that. And, uh, and we've been doing that. <laughs> Which was not at all your intention, was it? No, you not like, really. No, you should do, no, the, you pod- should do the podcast. <laughs> but uh, here we are, like, a year later, right, and we sat around the very fire it all started at, and Jason's here now. Hi, hello. hello. <laughs> and uh, and uh, and we, you know, we came up with this idea, and we just thought it'd be really good to uh, revisit where it all all kicked off. And this time, I think we're really capturing the the campfire vibe. Well, I don't think we could. <laughs> uh, hopefully, we can. If we're not, then we're we're really doing a bad job. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, yeah, as you know, we came up with this. We've, we've had a lot more than uh, no wine, which is where we normally start off, uh, and then we uh, we go a bottle in. But mm-hmm. uh, we're, I have to admit, I'm several bottles in, if or something. <laughs> uh, several bottles. Well, not me. Well, not a, a whole bottle. Well, yeah, possibly. possibly. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, okay. look. So it's a very special thing. It is. It, it's, it's a special thing, Dave, and it's you know, and it's nice to be here, isn't it? It's nice, it nice to be back here and chewing um, the fat. And oh, and so I think what we want to talk to, about today is science. Oh yeah, yeah. What what is science? What the heck is science and why should we care and why should we do what scientists tell us to do uh, rather than say yeah. what what you know what our religious tradition or what our personal yeah. beliefs say so uh, we're going to get into that but right here what we have what is we got? it's a uh, Castillo La Paz Tempranillo okay and uh, this is as you can see all of the metals like at the bottom that's that's well awarded. That's a well yeah, awarded bottle of wine. This is special. Um, yeah. Well, actually, this is a cut above it, what we normally. I have. really like this wine, and you can usually get it. You can often get it half price at Ocado. Okay. So it's so it's just right. how much exactly did you spend on that bottle of wine? Six six quid. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. Not as special as it looks. No. Well, it's half price. <laughs> it's normally off. twelve. Oh, it's normally twelve. Right. We're drinking We're, a twelve pound bottle of wine, and I tell you what, though, we have to get on to the subject because a friend of mine who listens to this podcast complained that we spend so much time talking about the wine. He never. He just turned us off before we started talking about the philosophy. So, uh, well, listen. Yeah, we've op- we've opened it, so we can start. Yeah. But what? Uh, but just tell us then. I mean, the thing is, before we start thinking about whether scientists can dictate to us or not, we have to know what it is that they're dictating about, I suppose, because that whole idea of what what is it, you know? Yeah. What, what is, is it? Science? What is science? Well, that's a very good question, and now I think what we should do yeah. is we should ask Laurel Parker. Oh yeah. Right. My wife. Yes. What science is? All oh, right. Okay. Yeah. So, Laurel. Laurel, can I just get your help here real quick? Um, we needed an, an answer to a question. Yeah. Can you come on over here? Right. 
very simple question. Okay. Very simple. What is science? Explain it to a five-year-old kid or the Yamanama or something like that. What is it? So science is a question that you... No, that's not right. I was going to say science was a question that you answer through trial and error. Well, that sounds pretty good, actually. Answering a question through trial and error. Yeah. I think you've blinded me. Yeah, well, we caught you off guard for sure. Hey! Anybody, okay, can I, does anybody have an answer to the question, what is science? Just a quick, simple answer for a kid. I'm just, sorry, lads, if I could get up off my lazy ass, but (laughs) science is just life, you know, and uh, can I explain it? No. Okay. All right. Science is still in process. Okay, so we can't say what it is, really. Science is humans searching for the answers to things in a logical way. What was that again? I didn't hear it. Humans what? Searching for the answers to things in a logical way. In a logical way. Okay. Good. That's definition. That's kind of answer. Anybody else? Andy. What is science? Um. Well, science is, are we actually here? Philosophical, yes. Oh, that's that's, okay. So that brings up the question, the distinction between science and philosophy, right? Okay. What is science? Okay. So I I really like Carrie's answer. That seems like the sort of like basic, you know, here's what you tell the kid what science is when they ask you. Yeah. And, you know, you've got some shopping to do and you just want to answer the question quickly, right? It's like, it's like, it's just people, you know, trying to answer a question in a logical way. But then, like, what is logical? Like, what does that mean, right? Yeah, okay. Now, now when I was a kid, I went, to, I went to a school that was like a science magnet school. They have these schools in, in, the, in the U.S. where they're trying to, to do voluntary integration. And so what they do is they create a school with like a specialist, with a specialism, as we say here, right? Right, with okay. A, with a special... T- and this was like the science magnet. Yeah, and I sure. Took a class in science. Yeah. Right? In other words, this class was about like, was about what is the scientific method. Okay? Yeah. And they taught us that the scientific method is, you observe something. Yeah. And then you, um, you make a, a, a conjecture or a hypothesis. Yeah. And then you test it. Yeah. And that's it. And that's 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 science. Well, that's boring. <laughs> that's the funny thing because I love science and I was totally bored by that. This that's class. a totally, but that's a very boring thing to say about science. Service. It's a lot more interesting than that in actuality. But yeah. if you boil it down to to that, that's like a bit disappointing, isn't it? Because it's much bigger than that. I mean, it's huge. It, it affects every aspect of our lives, and and we're we're, we're increasingly aware of it, aren't we? Sure. Of, of the scientific sort of you know the way that science affects our lives. Yeah. It does. It's messing up our lives in crazy ways. Me- or messing up or screwing our lives up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It, I mean, it's changing our lives, definitely, like in, in totally unpredictable ways. But the, 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 thing, the thing, oh, well, also, just quickly yeah. interjecting, the thing about science is that it's funny that, I, you know, we talk about when, when I was a kid at school in the seven, late 70s, we were saying, wouldn't it be amazing to have like a, a TV on your wrist? Wouldn't it be amazing to have, like, a communication device on your wrist? Yeah. And, I mean, it seems that science is always kind of living up to uh, uh, sort of an aspiration, really, that we create ideas 
within our context, within within our sort of social context, and science is sort of racing to actually fulfil those ideas okay. all the time. Okay. I think it's it's kind of. Oh, that's really interesting. I, I'm thinking more. Te- well, I'm not just thinking technology. No, I'm thinking yeah. about medicine. I'm thinking about. Sure. A broad, yeah. and quite I, a broad guess, I think when you say medicine, it, it brings to mind that there's there's a a fine line or a fuzzy distinction between <clears throat> between science and technology. Because in a lot of ways, medicine is technology. It's directly applied science. It's trying to it's trying to um, yeah to actually heal people, yeah. not just not just develop interesting theories, etc. Right. Mm. Um, but the, the the thing that strikes me funny about the question about science is most of us think that we understand what it is. Yeah. But then you get people like, for example, the intelligent design movement. Do you know what the intelligent design movement is? No, go on. Okay. So there used to be this thing in America called creationism, right? It's actually kind of a worldwide thing, right? People yeah. believe that, yeah. that God created the earth in one day and, yeah. then, you know, the whole basic biblical story. And now, and, and now there's this movement in America called um, intelligent design, which tries to establish that evolution, evolutionary theory, as understood, mm. is, is false. Mm. And um, there's no way to explain how the world is except through uh, there being an intelligent designer who created this world. Yeah. So they say that, that, that evolution is false, and they yeah. try to prove it using what they think are scientific methods. But then other people say, no, what you're doing isn't science, it's pseudoscience, it's fake science, it's yeah. phony science, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so then, how do we figure out the difference between real science that works and fake science that is just a, a kind of tool to push an agenda? Right, okay, yeah. How do we do that? I mean, is what? there... Real science and fake science. Yeah. Is there such a thing? Like fake science? Uh-huh. Loads of it. Snake oil salesmen from the 19th century. Well, it's, yeah. Yeah. It's stuff masquerading as science. Homeopathy. Homeopathy, exactly. That's a classic example of fake science, right? Uh, but, so, there was this guy, Karl Popper, and that was his whole, that was his whole thing. Yeah, but of course... The, what's that? What's that? Karl Popper. Karl Popper. I was thinking someone else. Oh, Karl Parker? Yeah, I don't know. Carl Perkins? Carl Palmer? From Blue Slate Shoes? Emerson Lake and Palmer. <laughs> <Emerson> Lake- <laughs> Lake- <laughs> Palmer. What a drummer he was. Yeah. So, <laughs> he did not look after Elvis, did he? Oh, Colonel Parker. Colonel Parker. Mm. Parker. <laughs> and don't forget Pappy Parker with his and fried Parker chicken. But, yeah, there's, <laughs> a lot, there's a lot of Parkers. Yeah. And, and pop, but not so many Poppers. Carl, no. So, so Karl Popper was this, right, was yeah. this Austrian... Um, philosopher yeah. who was who um, uh, had learned about uh, Freudian psychology and Marxism, and then he um, learned about the theory of relativity before it was established by evidence. And then he saw the evidence, like for example, there was this famous um, there was this famous expedition where they measured the way in which. Uh, it was there was they went to see an eclipse to measure the way in which the position of the sun um, uh, distorts the apparent position of a nearby star. That was a British scientist, wasn't it? Wasn't That's it? Edmonton, wasn't it? Ed, Eddington. Eddington. Yeah, I should know this, but I, I, I'm also you know. Yeah. I've had, this is not my first glass of wine. played him in a biopic. Oh, I'd like to see that. Yes. Yeah, that sounds great. Did he? Yeah. 
Oh. Good old David Tennant, my favourite. Yeah, Who, so. you like Doctor Who, don't you? Yeah. He loves yeah. Doctor Who. That's why he's over here, I think, just for the Doctor Who. Well, it's one just of so he gets Doctor Who me, first. You know? <laughs> I wasn't really into Doctor Who until I got here. Oh, uh, really? When I okay. saw Billy Piper, you know, I got yeah. interested. Okay. <laughs> All right, so back to Karl Popper, right? So he is really impressed. It's like, okay, so this is... This no, is back to Billy Piper. <laughs> Piper Popper. <laughs> okay, Billy Popper, all right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I wonder if they're related. Probably not. No. Okay. Anyway, Karl Popper. So Karl Popper. What did he do? What did he do? He, he's, he says, wow, okay, so what Einstein has done here is, uh, is testable. And, oh, yeah, okay. and that's amazing. And what Freud and Marx are saying is really interesting but it's not testable because, you know, any time that you... Because the nature of, for example, like Freudian psychoanalysis is that you kind of like sort of make up explanations for things, mm-hmm. but there's no way to prove that your explanation is wrong. Okay. So, and, and make up is sort of like, I, I'm being presumptive there. Maybe okay. you don't really make them... Maybe, maybe there's a... But the point is, the point for is, Popper, the difference between real science and fake science yeah. was that real science is stuff you can test. What, yeah, but then you have to kind of get specific about the conditions you can test these things under. Yeah, Don't and you? often as a scientist, you have to create the conditions that you can test them under. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. But uh, yeah, but so under the, the the point is just that under some conditions you can test it, right? Yeah. And and if if you do your test mm-hmm. and it fails, and you see that what your theory predicts is false, then your theory is false. And you're right. done. Okay. And that's it. Okay. Good. Good. Right. Like setting so down like, some ground rules. So, and this, that's that's for example what happened um, with the theory of the luminiferous, luminiferous ether. Oh, I like the name of that. I like the sound of that. Yeah. <laughs> luminiferous ether. Yeah. Exactly. The Morley okay. Mickelson experiment. All right. Tell so there's, me. There's about just, this there's then. debate about whether it's Mickelson or Michelson. Okay. All right. But. Um, well, can can that can that person? I think. Well, he's not around. It was a long time ago. Oh, okay. So it was the turn of the century. Oh, right, okay. So yeah. this is when he was around. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so the idea Luminous, was... Luminiferous ether. The idea of the ether was that light is like a wave, so it has to travel through this, this some kind of a substance, like water waves travel through a... a, 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 a what do you call it? A, a medium, right? Okay, medium. Yeah. yeah. And so we ought to be able to measure the, the speed that the Earth is moving through this medium. Okay. So if you measure the, the, the speed of light in one direction, mm. then, and, and then measure it again in, in, in a perpendicular direction, you ought to get two different results because the Earth is moving in one of those directions, right? Okay, yeah. So, so, the, yeah, so the idea is because we're moving through the ether, light should travel slower in one direction than in another. And they, they measured it and measured it and measured it and measured it, no difference no matter what they did. Okay. And so for Karl Popper, that means, all right, it's there's a no strike. luminiferous ether. Yeah. You're done. Luminiferous. Yeah. I'm totally mispronouncing that. There's no luminiferous ether. Yeah. You're out. Yeah. You're out. That's his idea of how science works. Mm. Mm. Well, I mean, and there are a lot of crack, like, like luminiferous ether. There are a lot Let's of. Say that five times. Luminiferous. That's luminiferous. Fat, fat, fat. Like that stuff. Like that stuff. Yeah. Right? There are lots oh, of crack. No, thank oh, you. Lots of crackpot theories on there about stuff like that. Uh, like um, um, the uh, morphic fields. 
there's an idea that things grow into into the shapes that are defined for them by an invisible force. Morphic fields. Morphic oh, yeah, yeah. fields. Oh yeah, or or, or the, the the earth is hollow. Or the moon is populated by Nazis. This whole yeah, website yeah. is devoted yeah, to this. Yeah. Sure, and there's loads of evidence for it, right? So how so how do you disprove those things? Ah, uh, right. That's part of the problem. Is that a lot of things are really hard to disprove. Right. And other things are hard to prove, but yeah. easy to disprove. Yeah. So if you have one of those ideas that's that would be that, that's really hard to disprove, then you can just cling to it for a long time. Yeah. Um, like for example, suppose that. Um, suppose that I claim that the universe is finite, and let's let's set aside for a second, like you know, um, really informed mathematical models of the the geometry of the universe. Oh yeah. Suppose all you could do let's is just like travel aside. and travel until you find the edge. Well. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No matter how far you go, someone can just say, "Well, you're, just, you're not there yet." Okay. So. You haven't disproved it. No, exactly. So, and that's what Karl Popper would say. That's not science, then. Right. You can have a theory that says the universe is finite. Oh. But it's unscientific. Yeah. If there isn't a way to prove that so it's finite. So Karl Popper didn't have all the bases covered, really. Not with that definition. Well, I mean, I don't know. I don't, I don't see that yet. Right. Oh, okay. I mean, there are arguments against him. Because against there are things sure. that are kind of scientifically credible. Yeah, oh, I see what you're saying. You, so the things that are scientifically credible that can't be disproved, yeah, and therefore that definition uh, can't 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 say that that's not science because I, I'm I'm inclined to believe you know in certain things based on scientific principles, you probably that, that are not provable. Yeah, I, I see your point, and that's really excellent. And, and, and more important to Popper, not disprovable. Yes, yes, right, exactly. Right. Which was a funny thing, because, for, because, you know, people, other people thought around the same time that, that the idea of science is you make a conjecture, it predicts something, you go and see that the, the, that the prediction is true, and mm. that confirms your conjecture. Mm. Mm. And therefore, your conjecture is more likely to be true. Yeah. And there are loads of problems with that. Yeah. Right? So Popper's idea would say, no, no, it works the other way around. You make a conjecture, you go and see that it's false, and that proves that your conjecture is false. Yeah. And there's yeah. never any way to prove that your conjecture is true. You can only prove it false, and that's a good scientific theory. Yeah. Right. According okay. To him. Okay. So, um, so, but I really like your point about about that he hasn't really covered all the bases there because you're right the the the, the assertion that the universe is finite mm. that sounds like a scientific claim mm. which ought to come under the purview of science yeah and yet if it were the case if it were the case that we couldn't test that mm. then he would say that makes it unscientific and there yeah. are also really really straightforward examples in mathematics like the goldbach conjecture the, Gold, the Goldbach conjecture is a proposition that says that every even number is the sum of two prime numbers. So okay. if you take, for example, you know, 20, you can, you can think of that as the sum of uh, 7 and 13. Yes, okay? So I yeah. just thought of two prime numbers that add up to 20. Right. And the Goldbach conjecture says for any, prime, for any even number you give me, I can, th- I can come up with two prime numbers okay. that add up to it. And you know what? 
Yeah. Nobody has been able to prove it, and nobody has been able to disprove it. Okay. And if it's true, you can't possibly disprove it. Yeah. Right? Because you would just keep going forever looking for. But that's even like, numbers. I mean, the, the, that's great. But that's a little bit like a parlor trick, isn't it? It's about, it's about that that kind of particular idea. It's just like, oh, you know, give me two numbers and then take away the number you first thought of and multiply it by six, and you know what, you'll end up with twenty-five. I'm just suggesting that this is an example of a of a conjecture. Yes. That sounds like it's 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 a scientific claim. Yes. And seems intuitively like it it should be considered a, a question of science. Yes. And yet, it might be impossible to disprove it. So yeah, also, absolutely. Again, it seems to show that Popper has missed something there. Shall we have another drink? I'll, I think I'll it's time. I've run out of my gin and tonic. Oh yeah, keep it coming. <laughs> That's a full glass. Yeah. Yeah. And here we are looking at the embers of the fire and, uh, and talking science stuff. Science stuff. Science. You'd just be on the prime numbers thing. Oh, yeah, yeah that we, prime numbers thing, yeah. yeah. As soon as again, the numbers get involved, I don't know. I know. We, you kind, know. Of, we kind of have to hold, hold, hold Tim down so he doesn't just float away. <laughs> yeah, okay. So, no, but it's but true. The point no. is, but the point is, is yes, that, the point is. The whole idea that what he called it was falsifiability. A good theory has to be falsifiable. Yeah. It has to be vulnerable to to uh, disproof. Otherwise, it's BS. That's yeah. according to Karl Popper. Yes, yes, exactly. Okay. Yeah, right. and, that, and that was pretty good. Yeah, but then there are those things. Because what the thing is, we get to trust science more and more because it yes. is a very ethical way to go about kind of getting stuff yeah, yeah, sorting stuff out that is, is to do with life and we trust it more and more and more and the more and more we trust it we get a little bit more afraid of it <laughs> especially yeah. in its certain manifestations like technology which is just you know immense we've trusted technology to such a degree now that it's taking away our you know it, it, or we're getting consumed into this big data bank and we are sort of surrendering to, to giving, our, giving our lives away uh, but it's um, you know it's a tremendous it's a tremendous manifestation of the way we've kind of come to trust science really yeah that's and right embrace and, it and trust is the big issue because because you know people in America argue about what should be taught in the textbooks yeah should we teach evolution if we teach evolution do we also have to teach biblical creationism just to be fair yeah or um is climate science real um or if i believe the rapture is coming do i care if climate oh, the science rapture. is real right yeah you know that kind of thing so it's a question of, of trust and that's another big hole in popper's idea yeah my friend uh, john worrell i call him my friend i hope he thinks of me as a friend <laughs> he won't after he hears the song i wrote <laughs> um uh, my, my, my friend John Worrell wrote this dialogue once, um, and he was a student of Emery Lakatos, who was a student of Karl Popper. Okay. And he wrote a dialogue uh, that's between Karl Popper and maybe it's between Popper and Lakatos, or I can't remember now, but they're on top of a building, and, you know, and Popper is saying that the theories are never confirmed, they're never made more probably true, they're only disproven. That's the only way that science works. Yes. And and the other character in the in the in the um, uh, dialogue says, "All right then, jump off this building." 
Okay. <laughs> because, you know, if you, if you don't believe that science gives you reasons to make decisions, yes. then why believe that gravity exists? Yeah. And, and there's, there's a, another thread along with that. It's not just about science. It's about induction. So, okay. While we're talking about science, we have to talk about Hume's problem of induction. Okay. Have you guys heard of this at all? Go on. Okay. So the problem of induction, uh, and, and honestly, the way Hume pre- presents it requires, uh, I, I think that it calls for a careful reading and careful thought, and I'm not doing that tonight. What okay. I'm doing is giving you sort of a, a typical gloss of Hume's problem of induction. Good. And basically what it is is, um, so we've seen the sun rise every day for the last, um, say, you know, 20,000 years of yeah. recorded history. Yeah. And that's that's stretching it. The sun rises. The sun I, rises every I agree. single day. And therefore, we should believe the sun's going to rise again tomorrow, right? Yes. Because it's been doing so for so long. Yeah, why, why worry about it? But why should you believe that just because something has happened every day for the last 20,000 years, well, that it's going to happen again tomorrow? No, not absolutely not. Why should, why should you think that uh, because a, an earthquake hasn't happened, that an earthquake... Well, it happened tomorrow, yeah, exactly. Yeah, we very can't... good point, because it's kind of the opposite with earthquakes. If you toss a coin nine times, and it always ends up heads, yeah. would ten times yeah. heads? Yeah, yeah. But, we, you know, but what you're saying is we, we, take, we take comfort in the fact that it's happened for generations before us, and we just assume it will happen for generations you know, ahead of us, but it won't necessarily, no. It but, won't, but we choose to believe it will because, God, life's a lot better that way. God, I'd hate to worry every night as the sun went down <laughs> that it didn't come back the next morning. Yeah, or that do my previously, um, yeah. you know, uh, stones fall to the ground. Maybe tomorrow they'll float up to the oh, sky. Oh, yeah, God, that'd be awful. That would be bad for all of us. I'd think. hate it. No, no, yeah. I, don't think, I can't think of a single person who'd like that idea. No. Except for, yeah. So, and, and what, you, what you have to realize is this is a fundamental problem for science as a concept because science, what, what scientists do is they observe the world and then they try to establish how it works and then they tell us that it's going to work the same way tomorrow. Yeah. Right? So, and scientists make predictions based on their theories and then test those predictions. But if the past is no guide to the future, then predictions are pointless yeah right so the idea is that even even isaac newton you know he he says you know that that these are the these are the the motions i've observed in the heavens yeah and these are the the laws that can be used to describe i'm paraphrasing yeah these laws that describe i assumed (laughs) (laughs) i assumed you might be paraphrasing these are the laws that describe uh, the the universe that we see, or the the world that we see outside, and, and yeah. the stars, and and so you know, this is how it's going to work, continue to work. Yeah. Right. So. Yeah. So. In, so in, induction, mm-hmm. this idea that the future is going to be like the past, yeah. is very important to science because without it, you know, we can't make predictions, and yeah. that's kind of the business of science. Is yeah, we have to rely on certain certain truths that are kind of we just take for granted now popper said that no that's not what science does we don't do induction we don't you we don't assume that the, the future is going to be like the past oh what we okay do instead is right and so in in particular um we don't assume from the successes of our theory 
that our theory is going to continue to succeed, right? Okay. Instead, what we do is we just make bold predictions that can be falsified, mm. and when the when the, one of those predictions fails, we know the theory is false. Right. Yes. We never know the theory is true. We only know when it's false, according to Popper. Right. Yeah. No, yeah, that sort of... Seems, seems plausible, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Oh. But then, the problem with that is, if there's no such thing as induction, if we can't make uh, assumptions that the future is going to be like the past... Then where do we stand at all? Yeah, we have no reason not to jump off that building, because just because gravity worked the way it did yesterday... Yeah, no, but then you're talking about probability, though, aren't you? You are going, like... For the the last, you know, uh, 999,000 times that this has been attempted, yeah. people have jumped from the top of the building and hit the ground and died. Yeah. Therefore, what I'm about to do is one in 999,000. I don't want to take that risk. Yeah. That And so you're starting to think about, you're starting to use data yeah. in order to make your judgments. Yes. You? That's true, that's true. But the way you're using it, the way you're using that data is, is to assume that, that your jump off the building is part of a class of other jumps yeah. that are all similar in a relevant way yeah. so that information about those other jumps yeah. informs your jump. Yes. And what Popper says is, you have no good reason to believe that. Yeah, I have no good reason to believe that, that, that even the idea of the probability yeah, will change the probability. Okay, so induction what is I do all is about I, probabilities. It's yeah, but like, probability surely has been proved. Well, it's a, it's a sound mathematical has been, has been proved to be true. Has, not, has been proved not to be wrong. That's it's, what I mean. It's a sound it? mathematical... It's, a sound it's like not to be wrong, isn't it, Popper? Here's the thing. It's the question, though. Tim jumping off the building 999 times yeah. and thinking the thousandth one might not happen, then that's just probability. But there's more than probability. There's also the fundamental laws of nature, such as gravity. Yeah. So it's not just a question of probability. It, it's, it's the same question as why does the moon orbit the Earth? Mm. So it's not just the fact that it's probable that you'll die when you jump off the building. Yeah. It's also the fact that we know about gravity. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, and I suppose, like, every, but, but what you're saying is that just because every time I've, I've believed in gravity doesn't mean that I can't not believe in gravity now and well, jump and just go up. Well, that's, uh, that's not quite it. I mean, you're right, oh, about, okay. you're right, you're right about probabilities that, okay. that, that, the, 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 this is all about probability, and the inductivist, the guy. I don't want to jump, by the way. Yeah, yeah, right. You don't have I to. I just wanted to make that clear. All right. <laughs> okay. We're not gonna. We're not gonna pressure you. you. Don't make me get. Don't make me jump. <laughs> but the point is. The point is. What is the point? The point is. The point of of Worrell's, uh, uh dialogue is that look, if you don't believe that that observing the past gives us reason to believe what will happen in the future, mm. then you have no reason not to jump off this building, right? Yeah. And science tells us you shouldn't jump off that building. Yes. Science using induction, using the, yeah. the principle that the future will be like the past. So is induction the, uh, the, uh, the arch nemesis of uh, Popper's theory? Yeah, Popper's theory was his falsificationism. Absolutely. Induction, inductionism sort of went, yeah, but. Yeah, and, and inductionism kind of came first. Um, even though Hume had already raised this problem that, like, induction 
we have no, we can't justify it rationally. Because you, what you could say is, well, look, um, science has always worked in the past. You know, we've always observed before that, that the future is like the past. Yeah. So, so therefore, you know, we should believe that it works. But of course, that's circular because we're just using the same principle again mm. to say that because inductivism seemed to work before, it's going to continue to work. You know what? I, you know, you, you, I suddenly go, well, I lived my whole life uh, as an inductionist. Yeah. We all do, don't we? We all expect the same circumstances of our physical existence, at least. And, well, and our mental existence, our spiritual existence, you know, we expect to wake up in the same place on the same day, you know, the following day. We live by inductionism. We survive and feel optimistic and uh, about life through we know the belief. Yeah, thinking we know what's going to happen tomorrow. Well, it's a, it's a fundamental point of learning. There's a campfire over there. Yeah. If I put my hand in the campfire, yeah. it burned my hand. Yeah. So I'd learned from that that if I did that again, yeah. then that's my right. hand would get hurt. And yeah. to some extent, that's biological, right? That's that's built in. Yeah. You once you've done that. It's survivalism. It, yeah, your body knows don't do that again because yeah. that hurts, right? Yeah. And when I say your body, there's something in your brain, right, that really internalizes that. Mm. And and for Hume, that was kind of that was kind of the answer. It's it's not that there is any logical principle that we can justify logically that says the future will be like the past, but it's built into us, right? We yeah, have this, we have this natural way of sort of associating we ideas. We do, yeah, certainly we do. And, 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 you know, we tend when we... And yet, I've still managed to burn my thumb tonight on the fire, turning over a stick. Yeah. You're sure you're not a paparian? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a, a what? A paparian. Not a piparian. Oh, I'm a popper. I'm a yeah. I'm a popperist. Yeah. yeah. I'm part of the popperisty. We're uh, looking out here, and there's a hedge across the way from us, which is looks exactly like a woolly mammoth. It's very. It's not actually a hedge. It's it's a it's a. I think it's, it's a, a tree. small cluster of trees. It's a small cluster One of trees. One tree or a cluster of which trees, which together look like a woolly mammoth. And everyone here sees it's a woolly mammoth, and it's very strange because yeah. it's just a shadow on the horizon. Uh, what? Except who thought it was a troll? Somebody Me. thought. Oh, Jason you thought, thought it was, was a troll. How can that be a troll? It's a woolly mammoth. Well, two arms and a head. Two arms and a head. Where's his head? He's like leaning forwards. We're, we're going to have to publish a picture of this silhouette on the website. Yeah. And people are going to have to sort of say... where the troll. Oh, mate. That is see, a woolly mammoth. You see, the, the far right arm is actually his trunk. <laughs> That's the trunk of the woolly mammoth. The right eye is the only eye. Yeah. And yeah, but its back doesn't go back far enough. What? Yeah, but it slopes. He slopes down. No, it's a troll bended over. Right. Listen. So we'll be putting that picture. We'll be putting that picture on uh, on on uh, social media on our Facebook page, and we want to know if you think it's a woolly mammoth or a troll bending over. Can we play us out? All right, (laughs) Matt. You know, who's a troller? (laughs) I can't see a troll. No, No, there is no troll bending over on there. I'll do you the troll pose in the moment. <laughs> Until next time. <laughs> 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 I thought you were going to come down here. We can't. Yeah, 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 yeah. Spread the